Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Cowboys beat the Carolina Panthers. Jimmy Johnson is going into the ring of honor and Dayron Bland is in such a historic season that many are asking the question, why can't he win? Defensive Player of the Year. Let's get into the conversation. Here we go. What is up, everyone? And welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, hit the like button for me if you enjoyed the show. Welcome, everyone. Tonight is a good night to be a Cowboys fan. And because of many reasons, we'll talk about the game. Obviously, we'll talk about all the main takeaways from it. But it was a Sunday where, you know, I was a little bit thrown off. Because when the game started and the Cowboys were going three and out on their first offensive possession, I wasn't really thinking about the game. And I think most of Cowboys Nation felt the same way. The thing is that everything was so sudden. Jimmy Johnson is going into the ring of honor. And we'll talk about it in a little bit here on the show. But let me just get through the day here a little bit. You know, 15 minutes before the game started, the Cowboys announced it. Uh, it was about one hour before the game started that clips started to come out with Jimmy and Jerry talking before the game started. But, you know, that happened back in week six when it was basically Jimmy and Jerry doing the same thing before the Chargers game. But we were in that spot where it was like, it's not going to happen. And then we get to this and we're like, it's not going to happen. Even less so in Carolina. That, that, that is a random place to put it all together. But then Christy Scales, the Cowboys sideline reporter, actually says, hey, they're going to make an announcement and it's going to be very special. And then it was like, okay, as Michael Scott would say, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. It's happening. And it did. Jimmy Johnson going into the ring of honor. Mark your calendars. The date is... December 30th, the Cowboys will be taking on the Detroit Lions for Week 17. And the Cowboys are likely going to be fired up for that one. Uh, December 30th is not a Sunday. It is a Saturday night game, if I remember correctly. Actually, I mean, I do. It is going to be a Saturday night game. Uh, the Detroit Lions visiting the Dallas Cowboys. And Jimmy Johnson's name is going up on the Ring of Honor. So, cause for celebration, for sure. Uh, we were going to leave that topic until the end of the show, but I guess j just like today, we had to start with it. So Johnson is going into there, and uh, Cowboys fans, are you happy? Let me know in the chat. What is your one word for the Jimmy Johnson news? And shout out to Toxic Tom, who is here, present in the chat. He says, Jimmy to the ring of honor. Mark your calendar, folks. Mo, it finally happened. 
that is way bigger than the game today, decades overdue. And I think that Cowboys Nation really feels the same way. As I said, man, the game was on and the Cowboys went three and out. I'll tell you right now, I don't remember the three and out. Like, I couldn't tell you what the plays were. I couldn't tell you what went wrong in those. I, I was still thinking about the Jimmy Johnson thing. I was posting for ADZ Sports about it. And it was a whole thing, obviously. And we were putting together social media posts and everything. So it was obviously a huge bit of news. Unexpected as heck, I will say. I did not expect it to come together during the Carolina game in Carolina. Uh, Katharina says that should have happened sooner, Mo. And Katharina, I 100% agree with you. That being said, though, I'm not going to dwell on it anymore. Listen, we dwelt on it for years because we knew this should have happened for years. And when push comes to shove and your opinion of Jerry Jones wants to remain unchanged, so be it. Not what I'm trying to say here, not what I'm trying to convince Cowboys Nation of. But when DeMarcus Ware went into the ring of honor, I wrote an article about how frustrating it was that Jimmy Johnson was not in it yet. And I was writing about how when the time came, Jerry Jones was going to find some way to save some face. You know, when he, na when he ended up announcing that Jimmy Johnson was going in there, my prediction was like, we're going to stop caring about the long wait that it was overdue, as you guys say in the chat. And my hope was, when I wrote that article, that we would just make it about Jimmy and celebrate Jimmy. And we're here, so that's what we're going to do. Jimmy Johnson going into the Ring of Honor, man. The only thing that is left to say right now is... How about them, Cowboys? There you go. There you go. December 30th, mark your calendar. Now let's talk about the game. It was a weird one, for sure, over there in Carolina. I'm not going to complain about the Cowboys not looking extremely sharp or looking perfect the way that I've seen many in Cowboys Nation complain about it. It was a 23-point win, one where the Cowboys never seemed to be in any sort of danger too, by the way. Yeah, the Panthers cut it down to a one-possession lead when they put together a 70-yard drive, which was a frustrating one. And I'm not saying that it wasn't, but it's also an NFL ball game. If we are frustrated over one possession where the Cowboys really couldn't stop Carolina, then I'm fine with that. I can live with that, especially with the way that the Cowboys responded. Because after that 70-yard touchdown drive, the Cowboys fired back with a 75-yard touchdown drive of their own. And then the defense came back on the field, and this is what happened. First down sack, second down sack, and third down fumble recovery. I'm going to be happy with that every day of the week. No matter who the opponent is, the Cowboys completely dominated this one, even if at times it looked like they needed some help from the Panthers, because especially there was one drive towards halftime where, I mean, they had 25 yards of uh, Panthers penalties, in, and, you know, they ended up scoring and everything, but it sure seemed like they needed some help getting that drive together, but still happy with the way that the Cowboys performed. And the one guy that we need to talk about is Dayron Bland. Specifically, Dayron Bland getting his fourth pick six of the season. And what a play it was, because he is in man coverage. 
and he's coming from depth. And, you know, Panthers wide receiver is running this crossing route, like a shallow route, basically. And De'Aaron Bland, at the time, you know, he, he is following him in man coverage. At the time that Bryce Young separates and starts getting ready to throw the football, it seems like Bland is two steps away from the receiver. But not only that, he is behind him in depth. And while the football is in the air, Bland closes in on distance, but also gets in front of the receiver, fully extends his arms, snatches the football. And, you know, that alone by itself would be an amazing pick. But then he goes on the ground, rolls over a little bit, stands up immediately, awareness at 100%, and runs into the end zone untouched. Touchdown, Cowboys, fourth of the year for De'Aaron Bland. Before we get into more of the details and everything, I want to say the fact that he has tied an NFL record because there are only three other players in NFL history to record four pick sixes in a single season. The fact that he scored so much as a defender has some people wondering, could he win Defensive Player of the Year? Let me know in the chat where do you stand with that question. Do you think, yes or no, De'Ron Bland is a legit candidate for Defensive Player of the Year? I will give you my answer, but I want to read yours first. While you tell us those in the chat, let me give you some stats here because, man... De'Aaron Bland is on a wild run this season. I'm going to start with this one. Four pick sixes. That means Cowboys De'Aaron Bland has now cut more touchdowns this season than any player on the Cleveland Browns, on the Indianapolis Colts, the Atlanta Falcons, New York Jets, LA Rams, New Orleans Saints, or the New Orleans, the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's caught more touchdowns than any player on those teams. Man, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams in the NFL. Or if you prefer, and give me a second here to pull out the calculator, that's 21%. That's 22% of the NFL teams, man. Not only that, man, Devante Adams got his fourth touchdown today of the season. Saquon Barkley got his fourth receiving touchdown of the season. And so did Darren Bland. And it is, and it is week 11. You know, it's not a small sample size type thing where De'Aaron Bland had two pick six in the first two weeks of the season and Devante Adams and Barkley have not gotten theirs. It's like week 11 and they are on this fantastic run. He also has more receiving touchdowns than Kyle Pitts. I think Chris Olave as well. Yeah, Chris Olave is in the same, so that is pretty obvious. But it's wild to me to think that that is the case for De'Aaron Bland. Now... The, if you want, if you would want to make the argument for Darren Bland potentially being up for Defensive Player of the Year, and again, I'll give you my stance, which is a little bit strong, but I'll get to that. This is the number that, to me, blows my mind. According to Next Gen Stats, opposing offenses have lost 47.6 expected points added targeting Darren Bland this season. That's the second most in a single season in the Next Gen Stats era which goes back to 2016. I'm not sure who the guy is that is above them, above him since 2016. But in other words, he's custed offenses 47 expected points or 48 expensive, uh, expected points. That is just an insane amount 
of points to cost opposing offenses. And I believe that if you were to make the case for De'Ron Bland to be in the defensive player of the year conversation, this is where you would start. You would start with this next-gen stats number right here on the screen. That being said, though, that being said, I do not believe Bland is really a DPOY candidate, and I'll get into why. First, let me see your answers to that question. Uh, here we go. Anton says no. We've got uh, Katharina saying Bland was awesome today, and she says yes. Bruce says they will never give it to a defensive back. The last one that won it is actually a Dallas Cowboy right now, but he was a New England Patriot back then, 2019. Stephon Gilmore. That was the last one, right? I, I want to think that Derwin James was a candidate recently, but I don't remember him getting it. Uh, I'm just going to make sure right now in order for me to be, you know, calm and not panic here. Yeah, that was the last defensive back to win it in 2019. Stephon Gilmore, if you would want to work back a little bit more, you would have to go to 2010 with Troy Polamalu and then 2009 with Charles Woodson. Those are the last three defensive backs to win it. And that is a very big reason why you would not expect De'Ron Bland to win it in 2023. Uh, Toxic says, no, it is a very specific stat. It takes more than a, an obscure stat to win DPOY. Garrett is a clear favorite. I would actually disagree. I kind of think that Micah is the favorite still. But Miles and Micah, to me, are the only two guys on this race, if I'm being honest. And to kind of confirm a little bit what we believe here with the De'Ron Bland thing not, not being enough to be in the conversation for the Defensive Player of the Year, let, let's take a look at history here very quickly. We are talking about De'Ron Bland tying an NFL record in order to get himself in this conversation. Let's look at the rest of them. 1971, Ken Houston gets nine picks. Four of them are pick sixes. That is amazing numbers for Defensive Player of the Year, if you ask me. He also gets two fumble recoveries and one touchdown off of a fumble recovery. So one scoop and score. He doesn't win the award in 1971. In fact, he receives no votes for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, instead, it is Alan Page with nine sacks to his name, and he also won the MVP from what I was able to gather, according to Pro Football Reference. 1972, Jim Kearney, also four pick sixes to his name, also no votes in 1972 for Defensive Player of the Year. That leaves us with one more player, the most recent one, who has also recorded four pick sixes in a single season. That would be Eric Allen, and he got five interceptions total, and he did receive votes. One, actually, for the Defensive Player of the Year that year, who was one, which was won by Rod Woodson, another defensive back, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers Hall of Famer, and somebody that actually made fun of me for my height when he was here in Chihuahua, Mexico, uh, I've told you that story before. That was a fun one. But hey, 1993, Woodson ends up getting the award, not Eric Allen, who led the NFL with four pick sixes and was back then one of three players to ever do it in NFL history. If Darren Bland gets like two more, which seems insane, which seems like 
it cannot happen, but still, the way that he's been getting this, he has been very lucky and very a result of his play too. I mean, if he gets two more, three more, if we get crazy with the bold predictions and say that he's going to double the, the pick sixes, which is obviously not going to happen. He's not, he's not getting eight pick sixes in a single season. But let's say two more, which is a whole lot. But hey, I still don't think maybe that that is enough for the DPOY, but maybe that's what it would take for him to really get himself in the conversation. And what hurts De'Ron Bland even more is that if you ask anybody who's the most valuable piece of the Cowboys defense, everyone's going to say Micah. Everyone's going to say Micah. As good as he's playing, he's not as valuable to the defense as Micah Parsons is. And that hurts him in that DPOY basically becomes a defensive MVP. It's more than just who is the best player on the team. It's who's the most valuable one on defense, in my opinion. And when you think about it that way, it's pretty easy to conclude that, hey, it is the guy who is pressuring the opposing quarterback on a down-to-down basis as opposed to somebody that, you know, his biggest argument to win it is the four interceptions that he returned to a touchdown, which is a very tiny percentage of plays as opposed to the amount of plays that the entire defense is playing. Whereas Micah is like one of the leaders in pressures. He's one of the leaders in sacks. He's up to 10 now. So you are in this whole situation where, you know, you're following Micah very uh, very closely as opposed to De'Ron Bland. So there you go. I, I would say, man, I would say Bland not really at all a, a DPOY candidate. Uh, let me respond here to something very, very quickly here, work-related. There you go. All right. Let's see some of your comments here. Uh, I'm just happy that Dallas has two young dominant cornerbacks as Toxic Tom. Yes, sir. That is totally right, especially with the way that, you know, you were thinking about the future with Stephon Gilmore. It's definitely not a guarantee, and having Bland around is so amazing. It's the best problem to have, and you've already paid one of them in Trevon Vick, so maybe it's an easier task to pay a second one down the road, and, you know, Darren Bland is not somebody that you need to pay ASAP. He can wait, right? Because he it is only his second year in the NFL, which is insane. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, let's move on here a little bit. Uh, Anton says he would need 15 sacks, 7 or 8 pick sixes, and over 100 solo tackles. And then he would also need to sell beer in the stands to win Defensive Player of the Year. Is it fair? I would even argue that yes, maybe, <laughs> because of the valuable thing that we just talked about. But yeah cornerbacks winning defensive player of the year nowadays all kidding aside probably require a very high amount of interceptions i think i think if you have like and this is just me spitballing here a little bit but i think that nowadays if you have 10 picks heck even trevon Diggs, who had 11 picks wasn't really considered for dpoy but i think that having like we're going to go crazy here and go or, and are going to go with 11 picks probably draw more votes than having four pick sixes, if that makes sense. Because 11 picks, it's still doing it in a more consistent basis, if that makes sense. And then also, on top of that, you would need a very weak year from pass rushers around the NFL. Like, there, if there's a Miles Garrett, if there's a Micah, then a cornerback is never win it. And I remember that, hey, if you look at 
the 2019 voting. And then we'll close out this show with this. Uh, not this show, this topic, excuse me. Chandler Jones was the second player with the most votes in 2019. And he had 19 sacks, which is good, but also not must give him the defensive player of the year type good when TJ Watt had 14 and a half and then Shaquille Barrett also had 19 and a half, 12 and a half for Aaron Donald and then 14 and a half for Daniel Hunter. Nobody really stood out. And I'm pretty sure that if we look at the pressures and everything, then it would get even blurrier. Anyways, good stuff from Daron Bland though. Do not want to make it seem like he's not on a roll because he really is. Uh, but still, I thought it would be worth it, you know, talking about the DPOY thing. One more thing I'll say about Daron Bland, and this is something that Dak Prescott mentioned in his press conference, and it makes him sound like an absolute legend. But Dak said that Bland had told his teammates that he was going to get a pick today. And then when they were on the locker room, Daron Bland tells Dak, I told you I was going to get one. Dak Prescott responds, I didn't know you were going to score, though. And then Bland responded, that comes with it. You know, if I get the football in my hands, I'm scoring. And I thought that was a fantastic quote for Daron Bland. The confidence of the second-year kid is so fun to watch. And it is fun to see that, hey, the way that he gets these picks is just I don't want to say pure instincts because there's no such thing in football. A lot of tape goes into it. A lot of awareness goes into it and just study of the game. But Darren Bland sure makes it look like it's instincts out there. The way that he's working that crosser and getting across the wide receiver's face is just elite footballing right there. Let's move on here a little bit and let's talk about Micah though. Let's talk about Micah now because man... This wasn't quite the flu game for, for Micah Parsons, but it was the C4 game. Because after the game, and uh, hey, let's, let's you know start with the beginning, right? During the game, Christy Scales, the Cowboys sideline reporter, says that, hey, Micah is vomiting on the sideline. She, he's, vom- he's vomited twice. And we're like, okay, maybe he's dealing with something. Later on the day, Cowboys reporters say that Cowboys officials told them that Michael was not sick. So at that point, we're like, okay, good. But then what the heck is going on? Here is Micah's explanation after the game. And I quote, I got some water to help put it down. And he was talking about C4 energy powder. He took C4 energy powder before the game. And he said that by the fifth play, it felt like my heart was going to jump out of my chest. I felt like I was about to explode. I'm never doing that shit again. That is the Micah Parsons quote. And I found it so funny, man. C4, man, I don't know what's in it. I don't know about it. But I did look into it a little bit. And according to medical news today, just for those who are not really aware with like workout supplements and stuff, it is a workout supplement line from Seliker that people may take before exercise to help increase energy, alertness, and strength. This is all from Medical News Today. They contain caffeine and creatine, which may help increase the effectiveness of a workout. But then you look at the side effects, and yep, sure enough, rapid heart rate is among those, which seems to be what Micah went through, according to his quote. Now, there are a lot more side effects. You know, this is not... A shot at C4, not received an advertisement of it at all. 
This is just what Micah had to say after the game and that I found pretty funny, not going to lie. The fact that it was something as random as it. Uh, Micah said that he's not doing it again. The craziest thing about it is that Micah might have been vomiting on the sidelines and Micah might have been dealing with that rapid heart rate thing. Micah was on fire today. Like he was on one. He had three sacks at one point. The NFL corrected this stats and made it two and a half because they indicated that, hey, Darren Kears had half half a sack in one of the plays that, you know, the Massey's mid-stunt play. But Micah was just, there are some plays, man. There was one where he doesn't even get to Bryce Young, but Bryce Young is basically rolling out to his right. Micah is right behind him. And he is running so incredibly fast. I think we're getting used to Micah the way that we have gotten used to watching Patrick Mahomes when he plays with the Chiefs. We're like, we do not lose our minds when we see him rolling out right, talking about Mahomes here. And then he jumps in the air and throws across his body to the opposite hash. And now we're like, oh yeah, that's normal. He's been doing it since... Week 17 of 2017, when he entered a game uh, just to close out the season. We Back then, we were like, holy smokes, this guy is unreal. And then 2018, he has that great year. And we are just like, this is something we've never seen before. You see Patrick Mahomes do that now in 2023. And you're like, yep, that's Mahomes. We, we've gotten used to it. We have grown. You know, we felt we have uh, lost the sensitivity. To it, I'm starting to feel that way with Micah, man. Like the way that he has that insane motor and just goes after QVs and does it at such an amazing speed. I think we've gotten used to it and we shouldn't. Uh, There were several plays where he stood out, obviously, that are the three sack plays. One is a defensive tackle stunt, basically, with Lawrence. Both of them are a little bit towards the inside. Of the defensive line, Demarcus Lawrence works the guard and center. And, you know, Micah just loops around him, gets to the QB easily. There's another one where Masi Smith does the same. Like, he, it's a stunt with Masi, and he occupies the center and the right guard. And Micah just works around him, getting to the quarterback. That is the Jaron Kears play where they split the sack after the stats adjustment. And then there was my favorite one, which was... An alignment where they had Durant's Armstrong over the center. This is on third down. So we're talking about a NASCAR front for defensive ends. No defensive tackles in there. And then Armstrong is above the center. Then you get Micah at the guard. And you get Dante Fowler working the the left tackle. And that basically leaves Micah one-on-one against the guard. And that was Chandler Savala, the second-year player. And Micah is in such a position where he's got a one, a a two-way ticket to to Bryce Young, right? He he gets to pick his poison. If Savala overcommits to the outside, then Micah can just hit him with the inside move. And if he stays on the inside and stays tied near to the center, Micah can just work towards the B gap. The shortest path to the quarterback, though, is the is the A gap. And that's what Micah is going to be thinking pretty much every single time. And John Owning from PFF, who is amazing at what he does, 
noted this during the play, uh, after the play. And man, the thing about it is like, once he commits to the outside, Savala is not going to move as fast as Micah Parsons is going to. And the fact that he's true for pretty much every other guard in the NFL is what makes Micah so scary. You know those scenes where the flash basically is running quickly and moving quickly, but it doesn't look like he's moving quickly. It looks like everyone around him is moving slowly. That's what watching Micah Parsons play football feels like in those sorts of plays. And I am just blown away with it, even now, even with us being used to it. Micah, to me, is the best defender right now in football. And yeah, the C4 game was pretty fun to watch, even though he was dealing with all that stuff. Uh, great, great work from Micah. Pressuring off of the edge, pressuring uh, off of the interior defensive line, and then as the off-ball linebacker blitz, uh, blitzing, you know, desensitized to greatness is toxic, Tom. And yeah, that is the way to put it. It's so insane. And we should, as Cowboys fans, we should make a conscious effort to not ignore the fact that we are seeing a truly generational talent. Not a, you know, not a Hall of Famer player. No, no, no. Really generational. You know, that's why people compare him with Lawrence Taylor. And I know that it's too early, but it's not really too early anymore at this point. Let's see here. We've got some more comments about it. Uh, there are some people basically throwing opinions about the C4. I, I seem to understand that the YouTube chat does not recommend the C4 supplements. Gregory says, I really don't understand why teams don't trip Micah as he runs by them. Hey, I, I, I would much rather take the penalty or what? That, that's, the, that's the logic there, Gregory, because I wouldn't disagree with it necessarily. That is how good he is right now. So strong stuff from him, but also, you know, not the only defensive standout up front. Sam Williams got another sack, and that is three games in a row where Williams gets a sack. Uh, Osa made some plays too. Massey Smith had himself some big-time pressures, uh, especially, specifically one. You know, Demarcus Lawrence was on fire too. The play where he's working from like a three-tech position basically sends the center flying, violent contact, just great football from the Cowboys' defensive line up front. And Bryce Young was not having fun out there on the backfield where he was sacked seven times on this game. Seven times he was sacked which is insane, even for, for these defensive pass rush. Just to break it down, though, half a sack goes to Kears, two and a half go to Parsons, one for D-Law, half for Armstrong, one for Williams, and then even Chauncey Golston had half a sack. Dak Prescott went untouched, by the way. Not, not necessarily untouched. He was hit, but he was not sacked. He was hit uh, four times, according to the official NFL stats three times by Brian Burns, which definitely feels like a higher number than what I would have guessed without looking at the stats. I didn't think that Brian Burns or the Panthers pass rush in general was much of a factor on this one, but you know, hitting a player three times is definitely uh, significant. Now, before we get out of here, some more takeaways though. Uh, let's talk about the offense a little bit here. What did you like the most about their offense? Let me know in the chat. I saw one comment here that I do think that we need to 
you know, bring up. And that is John Gary saying the touchdown run by Pollard was significant. It sure was. I'll agree with that one, uh, John. I definitely will. Pollard ends this game with 12 attempts, 61 yards, and he averages 5.1 per carry. But that was the 21-yard run that really stuck with us. And you got to love that. That was a play, and they basically also showed a shot of Mike McCarthy being like, ooh, you know, like enjoying the run. And how could he not? Tony Pollard was angry on that play, and it is kind of like this pitch to the left with Pollard basically just ripping it through the middle of the offensive line, and he gets a block from Hunter Lipke. The blocks are pretty, but actually the there's a double-team block towards, I think it's Viadish and Tyler Smith. I don't remember if it's Viadish and Tyler or Viadish and Martin. And somebody is supposed to get the second-level linebacker. They don't. But Tony Pollard shows that old-school explosiveness that he showed last year and that he showed before last year, too, where he kind of can get past that linebacker just with pure burst. And he showed that in that play. And then just the physicality of not only having the tackles, but, you know, breaking the tackles, but working through the tackles and then stretching to get the football inside the end zone. That was an amazing play right there from Pollard. So agree with John. Had to mention it. That was an angry run, as you can see here. I don't know if it's the breakout game that we needed out of Pollard, but it sure was a step in the right direction. And it sure felt like a player that read all of the articles and read all of the tweets and listened to all of the shows because he was pissed, man. He was pissed on Sunday against uh, the Panthers. Now, I do agree with Toxic that it's not only about Pollard running, it's about zone blocking. And the Cowboys looked like excellent blockers up front. I'm really looking forward to seeing the tape tomorrow and seeing the and seeing the uh, PFF grades even for run blocking because there were plays where there was one where they're running some sort of sweep to the left side. And you see Jake Ferguson with a great block. <clears throat> you see Hunter Lipke with a great block. Then there's the one where he's going to the right side. And Terrence Steele basically jumps in the air and blocks two Panthers guys. And it's such an insane play. I, I was happy with everybody blocking, honestly, on, on Sunday. Zach Martin got destroyed on one, though, which was, which I was not expecting. But, hey, that's football. Even Zach Martin can get bitten. And there was one where he, he really was put on, on, on notice because he, he, you know, they generated some movement there with, with uh, Zach Martin, and then they got the tackle for loss. I forget the name of that guy. Uh, it's Derek Brown, the number 95, the defensive tackle. <clears throat> Sorry, man, I had... To clear up my throat. Shout out to everyone, by the way, who is tossing some comments in the chat here. TC915 says also the pressure, somebody, and he mentioned the protection for the offense. Dak was pretty clean on this one. I agree. Even with the three QB hits from Brian Burns. Let's see here. Uh, 40 had some great blocks, says Anton, talking about Hunter Lipke there. We need more 40 us and the tight ends pushing their weight around. Let's see here. Blasphemy Mo, sack cannot be beaten. They shit it. Hey, man. That's what I was thinking when I, wa when I watched that game. 
But when they showed the replay, there wasn't nothing else that there was nothing else that we could say. He he got bit on that play. Ladies and gentlemen, great game in my opinion overall. I know that it wasn't like the cleanest of execution or the perfectest of games, but it sure was a game that, you know, the Cowboys can be pretty comfortable just going home with a 23-point win when it's a short week ahead of them. Washington Commanders, who, by the way, lost to Tommy DeVito and the New York Giants. Tommy DeVito had... Let me let me read you the full box score for Tommy DeVito. I didn't pay a whole lot of attention because, you know, the Cowboys game was on. I had red zone on the other screen. Tommy DeVito went for 70, 66, excuse me, 69% completions, 18 for 26, three touchdowns, and a 137 passer rating. He was sacked nine times. <laughs> he, was sacked, he was sacked nine times on that game. And the commander still lost 31 to 19. I don't know, but that makes me a little bit more excited about Thanksgiving. So I'm just saying, Thursday Thursday should be interesting for the Cowboys. I kind of like what <clears throat> Sam Howell and the Commanders have done in several ways. It's obviously a lesser team record-wise and just talent-wise, but they've got some players that can really give you a, a complicated evening if you're not careful. So Thanksgiving should be fun. But now that we've seen what Tommy DeVito was able to do against them, it seems like it's going to be a little bit more fun than we expected it to. House Nelson says, how lucky is the league that Trevon Diggs got injured? Shake my head. You know, on Thursday when we had Skywalker still here on the show, we talked a little bit about that, about how like, hey, this is still one of the best defenses in the league, but it's going to have some inconsistency problems, just like every other unit in the NFL. Like you think about the Cleveland Browns, you think about the Baltimore Ravens, two of the best defenses in the league. But still, they they have these games where they are steamrolled or, you know, just not efficient. But if Trevon Diggs was around, I do agree that, you know, that was the luxury. The Cowboys still have one of the best secondaries in football. But with Trevon, they would undeniably be the best secondary in football, most likely. So I understand that frustration too there for sure. Uh, before we get out of here, just one more thought. One more thought. And, you know, I'm not going to dwell on it because I also know that, you know, you're putting it on film for future opponents to have an extra headache to deal with. Other than that, though, burn, burn the Wildcat playbook. We don't need the Wildcat playbook in here. Didn't work out. Complicated some of the drives in this game. And was not really fun to watch. It didn't seem like the Cowboys really knew what was going on whenever Dak Prescott was lined up out wide and there was a running back under center. That being said, though, I understand that it's a game where you're winning by a whole lot. And maybe some of those didn't happen when they were winning by a whole lot, which is what frustrates me a little bit. But I do understand that in these type of games where you're extremely confident you can get the dub, you also want to, you know, put some wild things on tape for opponents to be like, Ooh, we need to have a plan for that. That way, when the Cowboys face the commanders, the commanders know we need to have a plan as to how we're going to match up 
against this formation. And maybe the Cowboys never used it again, but now it's on tape, so now teams have to account for it. That's part of the long season game within the game type thing where sometimes you see a, a team run a trick play when they're up by 30 points in the fourth quarter and you're like, why didn't they save that for the future? But it's just throwing stuff out there for opponents to have something else to study. And, you know, one more thing to dedicate time to, basically. Other than that, though, did not enjoy watching the Wildcat offense. I am pretty much over it. (laughs) Toxic says the Wildcat is still more modern than the stuff we ran early in the season. Yep, maybe so. Especially not in the red zone since Tommy915. I agree, man. I agree. Ladies and gentlemen, that will be it for me tonight here on the show. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. Hit the like button for me, please, as Katharina says in the chat. If you enjoyed the show, hit that thumbs up. It takes about half a second to do it. And it is definitely the single biggest thing that you can do to help me out and put this show in front of more and more Cowboys fans. That being said, it is the start of a crazy week because tomorrow we'll have an injury report. And then tomorrow is basically Thursday for Dallas as they gear up to face the Washington Commanders on Thanksgiving. So I'll see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Central. We'll probably do a little bit of everything, but we'll probably also be getting ready for the Washington game right away. So we are excited about what's ahead. Thank you so much. Thank you to Rico. Thank you to Anton. Toxic, Tommy, Katharina, everyone who was around tonight and everyone who is also listening to the podcast and everyone who watches but maybe doesn't comment. Shout out to you. Appreciate you. I'll see you tomorrow night. Bye-bye.